Welcome to Mint. My name is Adam Levy, and I'm going to be showing you how the creators of today are building the communities of tomorrow by harnessing the power of Web3. This episode welcomes Matthew Chaim, the Web3 artist, founder, and builder who's consistently at the forefront of what's next in crypto. From dropping sold-out music NFTs to managing a group of 80 artists who are collectively building towards a headless figure in music, I'm super excited for you to listen to our discussion. We talk about everything from forming Song Camp to issuing music NFTs, his thoughts around patronage-based versus ownership-based NFTs, why he thinks music needs Web3, and so much more. I hope you guys enjoy our conversation. Matthew Chaim, welcome to Mint. Finally, we have you on. You are the last guest of season four. Welcome, my Ooh, friend. The finale. I love the it. The finale. Yes. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to have you on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You got it. How's your state of mind? How are we feeling? I feel um, I feel busy. I feel overwhelmed. I feel excited. Um, today's been a good day. I kind of didn't like uh, work as as hard as I do every day. I had, I'm getting married in the summer. So I did some wedding prep stuff this morning. Wow, so nice. Veer out of, uh, you know, discord Twitter land for, for a few hours there in the morning. But, uh, yeah, most days are full throttle lately. So. But it's a big week. It's a big week. We announced chaos. Uh, we, as in us, but you announced <laughs> chaos and the collective that, that kind of is behind that announced some new updates with song camp. Uh, but we'll go into all that stuff. Okay. So I always like to start these conversations kind of understanding who the guest is. Okay. So for starters, who are you, Matthew? What does the world need to know about you? But more specifically, uh, how'd you get your start into crypto? Yeah. So I'm a musician first and foremost, um, from Montreal, Canada. And, um, yeah, very, was focused on my music career, uh, just like putting music out under my own name, Matthew James for about five, six years and ended up moving to LA and doing kind of the songwriting thing there, put out an album at the end of 2019. Yeah, just focus on my music, was very creatively satisfied out there. Um, but I also went to business school back in the day. I thought I was gonna be like in the entrepreneurial world, but then music kind of swallowed me whole. Um, but there was this kind of other part of my, I guess, mind that felt a little atrophied out there. Wasn't super challenged, if you will. Um, kind of was just full deep in sort of like the art, which was, which is also incredible, like no, no shortages there. Um, but when I got back to Montreal, I came back when the pandemic hit, thinking I was staying for like three months, but then like the world changed and so did my life. And I've, I've been in Montreal ever since. Um, but when I got back here, uh, I was quarantining in like this hotel and there's nothing else to do but go for walks. And I was a block away from an old friend of mine who I knew had been working in this thing called Ethereum uh, since like 2016, but I didn't really understand what that meant. Um, but we started just taking walks. We would walk our dogs together because there was nothing else you could do at that time. Which, by the way, is my favorite form of exchanging ideas and having deep mm. conversations is on a walk. But I, I would I, agree. Yes, I digress. Continue. Would would totally agree with that. Um, and these were very fruitful kind of exchanges of ideas. He started educating me on what he was doing, and at the time he was working at Loopring, which is like a layer two um, exchange and and protocol. And so it was a very interesting sort of. Uh, vantage point like a, an interesting angle to sort of tear the fabric into this into this new world via like layer two technology merkle proofs all this zk roll-ups like very kind of down in the piping stuff which was super interesting and i could feel the sort of passion and excitement he had for this new world but i was sort of interested as a musician as an artist like how does this stuff kind of come to the surface how does it meet culture and 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 the things that i care about and then one day he told me about this like art online that people are 
buying and selling. And I, you know, my mind went on tilt. I was like, what are you talking about? And, and of course he was talking about NFTs and, right. and that's when I fully kind of was just immersed in curiosity as to like what this space is. And that's what really like pushed me down the rabbit hole. What year was that again? So this was uh, in 2020, this was summer 2020 when we first started talking about this stuff and I first started getting interested. And then like, it was kind of like waves of like deep interest versus still, you know, I was like kind of really focused on my music thing and, and trying to, you know, my shows were just starting to really happen when the pandemic hit. So that kind of got crushed. And I was like focusing on a new record and all this stuff, but I kept being pulled in and I was looking, I was, remember I was looking for like, I was like hearing about DAOs, NFTs. I was like, what, where are the music DAOs? I found, you know, yeah. uh, DAO records and, and stuff like this. I was just like getting a taste. And then it was really in like October, November of 2020 that like my full plunge sort of thing. So you and I have a very similar intro to crypto, at least on the intro side. So I'm a drummer. I typically have a drum set behind me, but I'm in Miami right now with some family. Um, but I got my start into crypto one, kind of seeing Bitcoin's price at 20K and that catching my attention back in 2017. But mm -hmm. what kept me in the door was, was seeing what companies like Media Chain were doing. Uh, which is uh, Jesse Walden's very variant fund. Oh, yeah. who, his yeah, yeah. project got acquired by Spotify around 2017. I was like, wow, he's actually helping musicians. I'm a musician using this technology to better their life, right? Mm -hmm. That was interesting to me. I'm not yeah. really interested by money. I'm not really like a, a financial person. I get numbers, but that's kind of like what kept me in the door, kind of similar to you. So once you got ETH pilled by your friend, told <laughs> you about the projects he was working yeah. on yeah. Were in 2020, what was the next step? Like, how did you get involved from there? Yeah. So I guess like, uh, yeah, just through that, like really just following my curiosity and there's, um, at the time, yeah, kind of both like hearing a little bit about DAOs, but it wasn't like kind of where it is today, of course. And it was, you know, and, and also on the NFT side, the visual side was really blowing up. This was in the time when like Beeple was starting to have like this $2 million moment, then the, you know, $69 million right. moment early the next year. But so I was seeing all this visual art NFT, but there was like not this much, things happening in music NFT space. And I remember he had sent me a podcast, um, much like this one, uh, an episode of Into the, I think it's called Into the Ether with RAC. And this is when he spoke about his 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 launch with Zora at the time, which was still kind of the old marketplace that it was before the protocol of today. And he did his uh, dollar sign tape project. And that was my first, oh, like musicians are really experimenting and playing in the space. So I started following RAC and people who were like really experimenting at the edges. But I was like, there's not so much music stuff happening. Um, this was also right around the time that Zora was like starting to tease this big kind of change. And it, it felt like this like cultural gravitational pull of like, it felt punk. It felt like new. It was exciting. And then that sort of, to me, like Zora and like Zora on Twitter was that sort of nucleus. And then around it came Mirror and Catalog and Forefront and Seed Club, and these things started popping up into my world. And I was like, ooh, this is a really interesting corner of the internet. I want to play here. And especially catalog caught my eye. So I was spending a lot of time in the catalog discord being like, what are you guys? When are you launching? Because I wanted music NFT stuff to happen. So, so why does why does music need Web3? Let's start with that. Why, okay. were you, why were you so excited around that? Like, what was the aha moment for you? Yeah. The way I boil it down, and this is maybe a bit more of like a personal reason over global as a musician who also just loves to play across the gamut. Like I like to wear all the hats. I like to like hold all the paintbrushes um, for the most part. Like I, I've always been like kind of self-managed, uh, mostly independent, signed one uh, 
al- one album deal when I was when I was out in LA to basically pay for my life to live out there. Um, but for the most part, like, and signed it mainly because I, it was with like kind of friends that I'd met there and could just like be in control of everything. And it was a short sort of situation. I love to just be in the kind of driver's seat across the gamut and really play in sort of the release mode of this thing. But you're sort of playing in this world. You're playing in this box of like, this is how you release things. You release things to these platforms and this is what you get for it and da 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 da. And then here I saw like, oh, suddenly the sort of like canvas is extending past the making of my music and the making of the artwork and the teasers and the whatever and the Instagram stories, blah, blah, blah. It's extending all the way to how I distribute this music through what means, through what mechanisms and how I monetize it. And I could actually play like within the the, the value realization of it. I could play within the story around its actual file scarcity or history. There was just like the canvas was extending all the way down into the piping of the thing. And that really excited me. I was like, Ooh, I want to pl- I want to like grab some paintbrushes and play there too. And I couldn't do that in, in kind of the web two or the current system. Cause it's sort of like, this is the way it is, you know? And there was less um, mobility there. And so it's been a lot of fun <laughs> kind of being able to play in that, in that part of it. So as a creative, what, what has your mind been open to and unlocked because of these NFT primitives, because of these social token primitives, because of token incentives, mechanism designs? Yeah. Uh, like how has your creativity shifted from a music yeah. creation process, from yeah. uh, a people organization process, yeah. Yeah. Uh, from, from a curation process? Because I feel like those keywords very much like resonate with you, just yeah. seeing your work, seeing what you do online. So yeah. how has crypto kind of influenced and inspired more creativity uh, that you otherwise wouldn't have had before. Yeah, I think like my my mind goes in two different directions. One is like my relationship with my art, and and the second is more I w- I would maybe boil it down to my relationship with other artists, um, primarily. Okay. I, and the first one being sort of like, I'll give you an example. When w- during the pandemic, even kind of in 2020, early 2020, really when it was starting before um, I even fell down this rabbit hole, I was making a lot of music, and for the first time, really a lot more music on my own completely. I always worked with producers. That was why LA really resonated with me because there's so many creative producers to work with there. Um, But I was never really like creating the music that I was writing vocals and melodies and and lyrics to. Uh, But then suddenly I was like forced indoors. So I was picking up the guitar a lot more. I was creating a lot more stuff on Ableton myself. And it it really felt like intimate work. It felt like my own work because I was creating the whole thing. I was creating the seed of it and letting it grow. But but from a production quality standpoint, it was definitely lower than the stuff that I've released, right? It's like, it's much more rough drafty, but I, I kind of like that. Like I kind of like the demo quality of it. It felt very intimate, but I would never consider releasing it on Spotify. It's not like branded enough. It's not going to get the playlist. It's not going to do well. And suddenly here I could actually um, carve out that, that intimacy in, and actually express that um, rather than just like be able to experience it on my own, I could express it by saying, this is important to me. So an example of that is I put out songs on catalog as one of ones and really, you know, I could set the value of that, whatever I want. Um, and, and sometimes people really resonate with that. It could just be one person who actually feels the same way I feel about that song. And they can express that by collecting that for a higher, um, a higher price, Th- them actually sacrificing more than a, a, a like or whatever. So that was like a really powerful thing. For instance, right now I have a song on there that I would have probably never put on Spotify, but it really matters a lot to me. It has a lot of like meaning in in myself. And so I put it up there for a hundred ETH because that's what it's worth for me. 
and it could sit there forever. And maybe someday someone will click it. And it's like, yeah, that's like a life-changing song for me. So the expression of, of someone else's, you know, resonance with it should be as life-changing um, for me sort of thing. Got it. So one thing that stood out right now, your relationship with your music and other artists kind of mm. uh, uh, changed and evolved with the introduction of crypto, NFTs, et cetera, which kind of brings us to the project that you're working on right now, Song Camp uh, mm. and the songwriting camps that you put together through Song Camp and now this new collective called Chaos, which mm. super sick. First thing off the bat, I got to mention two things, okay? First thing is the branding. Mm. Beautiful. Like, oh, chef's kiss. Beautiful. Second thing is now you guys have started releasing these Twitter spaces or these radio collectives or high, high quality production. That kind of reminds me of like how I built this, which I told you privately. It mm. sounds amazing. Mm. So you guys are already making a really good splash online. I'm curious to hear what is Song Camp, okay? Yeah. What is Chaos? And tying it back to you saying how crypto has helped you better appreciate and have a better relationship with your work and other people's work, I think yeah. kind of falls into that. So kind of share totally. with me your point of view on that. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely goes to that other point that, yeah. that, that of like, of like my relationship changing with other artists. Um, yeah, I, I, it was, it was around that time, like at the beginning of 2021, when I was first playing in the space and catalog was coming and da, 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 where I was like, I really craved this connection of like, let's bring together sort of these web three curious musicians, just have a place to do things. Um, so I threw up a discord in March of 20. 21, <laughs> it's hard to remember, March of 2021 um, called Song Camp. And I was like, here's a place for music and the new internet to crash into each other. And really it was just like a place to bring together musicians that I was starting to meet um, and like, let's go do stuff together. The reason I called it Song Camp was because I experienced incredible growth, both creatively and just as a human being through songwriting camps over the years as, as a musician, as a songwriter. Um, especially a songwriting camp I went on in 2017, really opened the doors for me, both on a networking standpoint and just creatively, because I was really working with only a few people here in Montreal, didn't have as much like exposure to more artists. And suddenly I was thrown into a uh, sort of structure of like, you have to make five songs in five days with all these people. And I'm like, whoa, that's not even possible. That's not human possible. It's too fast. Um, but we did it and it was incredible. And so many bonds were formed. And so I started to feel that like communal aspect um, with other artists that I didn't really feel before, like, you know, I had close friends here in, in Montreal, but I didn't really feel that intensely, even in LA, it's sort of more just like spread out and everyone's doing their own thing and, and you have your sort of team and whatever, but like that sort of campy feel really was, was resonant for me. So I was like wanting to create that sort of in some way here, but just in a way where we can like, yeah, not only just focus on the songwriting part because those songwriting camps just focus on that. And then none of the music ever comes out. Let's just extend all the way down to the canvas and actually put that music out too. So that's where the real impetus came from. And, and the results of that have been uh, that sort of community feeling again um, in, a, in an incredibly strong way. Like I'm sort of every day sort of blown away with like the uh, sense of like belonging that people are experiencing coming together and running these camps, these projects that we're doing in sort of collective creation and like really experimenting at the edges of music and web three together as artists and camp chaos being our third and most recent project that we're smack in the middle of right now. So curation is a superpower. I, I believe it. I will die on that hill. If you can curate the right minds together in a room uh, and give them something to do uh, mm -hmm. that's like productive mm -hmm. and net positive, really good things can come from that. Right. Hence that kind of boils down to what you're doing at song camp. So walk me through more of your curation process. So can mm -hmm. anybody join a, a camp? 
what is a camp? What does that look like? How often yeah. do they happen? Yeah. Uh, how long do they last? What's the goal of the camp at the end of the session? Like walk me through that a little bit more too. So camps being sort of, you know, song camp is more than camps now, especially we have like this growing community and all these different little projects happening here and there. Um, but really camps are sort of like the flagship experiments, call them. And they're pretty big in scope and ambitious in what they want to achieve. Um, each one looks different, but it really takes some sort of hypothesis and wants to experiment at the edges of music and Web3. Do something different, both in the way that that music is created and then how it's released in this these new formats that these nascent technologies in Web3 are allowing us to, 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 to experiment with. So we're running them at a cadence of two a year. We ran two last year. The first one was Camp Genesis, which was like a very small uh, project compared to these um, with with twelve uh, with thirteen people total and looked a lot like a songwriting camp, like the one I had in Nicaragua, thrown thrown online um, globally. You know, coming together in a Discord, creating music over two weeks, and then releasing those as one of one NFTs. Um, uh, you know, music NFTs, which at the time in like May of last year was our was still playing at the edges, right? It was so new. Um, releasing kind of music NFTs. Um, then we ran our second one in the summer of last year called Camp Electra, which was a bigger project, songwriting camp again, but this one also creating a sort of pop-up production house around it and um, bringing sound designers, visual artists, um, voiceover actors, all storytellers together and creating this world, this planet called Electra, where music is energy and it is dying and we've been sent there to save it with our music. So creating this sort of story, this world building, this lore, um, through which the songs created in the songwriting camps could sort of sprout out. And the audience sort of had this immersive experience um, and interactive experience with, with that project. So that was sort of like the, the big game there um, was kind of creating this game. And then this one, um, a much bigger one, that, that one, so it went from 13 people, second one was 42 people, this was 80 people, and this is Camp Chaos. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that is chaotic. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Okay. So yeah, so Camp Chaos, 80 people. Now we're 77, a few had to fall out here and there, but we're 77 artists. Um, and when we say artists, we call everyone who's working on a camp an artist, even if you're on the operations side. Um, there's 45 musicians, and then there's visual artists, operatives, a dev team, and then also this lore team, uh, which inside the lore team exists Chaos Radio. Um, the other thing we've experienced, especially with our last camp, Camp Electra, was we realized like, the actual process of creating this art is art, right? Pro for a lot of artists, you'll hear like, what's the most exciting part of like being an artist? It's sort of like the process of creating whatever art you're making. And now because we're creating it online together and like communicating online, co-creating, like we're actually capturing that process that so often happens more in the room, we're capturing it. Um, so we're actually able to create art with the process of making art. So we're calling that, immersive digital theater and chaos radio is sort of an experiment in immersive digital theater and it's like how i built this which is it's documenting what's happening in camp in real time through our calls our you know our, our chats our interviews our voice memos as we're making stuff we do weekly murmurations where we as a group on our camp-wide calls create some sort of thing together we all answer a question on our voice memo together we all take a video of, of the same thing together. So like creating this art of the process of camp that's coming through this, um, this like podcast, podcast like format called chaos radio. So yeah, there's a lot happening in wow. camp chaos. I haven't even mentioned, I guess what camp chaos is, which it is. The intention is to create this headless artist. 
this headless band called Kate. which that's that's the coolest part right like the headless artist i think mm. that's super cool and very relevant to what's happening in crypto as a whole with all the pseudo pseudo anonymity and a lot of these narratives and ethos that come around uh producing something or being someone online without really mm. knowing who you mm. are online mm. What's up, guys? Adam Levy here. Sorry for the quick pause. I wanted to give some love to our two NFT sponsors that are making this episode a reality. They are Coinvise and Polygon Studios. On Coinvise, you can create a personal or community-owned social token on Ethereum or Polygon. Coinvise also helps you create incentives through token rewards and bounties, NFT business models, and bot integrations for Discord. Discover more today by visiting coinvise.co. Polygon Studios is the gaming and NFT arm of Polygon, who's focused on growing the blockchain gaming and NFT industry while bridging the gap between Web 2 and Web 3 gaming. The Polygon Studios ecosystem comprises highly loved blockchain games like OpenSea, Upshot, Avagachi, Zedrun, Skyweaver, Decentraland, and Decentral Games. If you're a gamer, builder, or NFT creator looking to join the Polygon Studios ecosystem, Get started today by visiting polygonstudios.com. All right, back to the episode. The fact that there's 77 people behind this project genuinely baffles me. Yeah. How how do you organize? How do you orchestrate yeah. uh, 77 people? How do you, I guess, like pay everyone and align incentives? Mm, like, mm, like yeah. how, how do you do that? Yeah. How does that work? So we learned a lot from camp two from camp Electra that we were able to integrate into this camp that helped us answer those questions. Cause 42 people is a lot too. And if you can, yeah. if you can believe it, like now we're double that. And this camp actually feels like less people than camp two um, because it's more organized and there's just like less, there's almost ironically less chaos so far in this camp than, than the previous one. And that's because like, yeah, we really got to see what happens when you crash so many people into a project together and like, the sort of blind spots. Um, yeah. So a few things. One is like, I like to call them containers. We have containers of time, containers of space um, to give this sort of entire project orientation and give the people in it um, a sense of orientation. So containers of time is really like the time we're doing this in. And we're doing this camp in eight weeks. And in camp, we've given that time lore. So every two weeks is called an act. So we've act one, two, three, and four. So there's sort of this breakdown, this chunks of time that people can sort of orient themselves in that this is like the project chaos, which is sort of needed in this sort of digital ethereal space. You need to give people this sense of containership to say, okay, this is the thing I'm in. Um, and then the other thing is like, you know, containers of space is like, we're doing this on Discord, we're doing this on Zoom, we're doing this on these channels. And you have a team. This is this is your team. This is the thing that you're a part of. This is the role you're playing in this network of, of, of roles. So in camp, we have six main teams. We've got chaos music, chaos visual, chaos operations, chaos lore, chaos economics, and chaos, because to get to your second question, and chaos, what did I miss? I missed one. Dev, build, how can you Boom. forget? A big one. And, and, and so, yeah, to dive into the economics part, that was a huge lesson in the last camp. Not that this one's perfect at all. There's definitely imperfections and blind spots in this one, but it's working better than the last one because here's what we're doing. We're leaning into the fact that this is a network, that this is, we're creating this headless artist called chaos. We are becoming one. And because of that, we're treating the economics the same. Instead of every artist or creator or dev or what have you being connected to the value of the exact thing that they made, 
we are all exposed to the value of the aggregate. So instead of like, I write, wrote a song with you and one other person, and that's a part of this project, and we're splitting a third, a third, a third of that song, we're actually dropping that song into a pot of 50 songs that are being created in this camp, along with the visual, along with the build, everything coming out as this big NFT collection at the end. But yeah, to jump into like the chaos economic side of things and how we're sort of incentivizing this network. The thing we learned from last camp was, you know, we we'd created a big project with a lot of people um, in the previous camp, but the difference was artists were exposed to the very art that they had created. And we created these pies of value, you know, these revenue pies that were split amongst the artists who were part of each disparate piece. So in, in essence, we had to create all these different pies with all these different artists, some artists working in different like teams, right? We've, we have visual and maybe music putting together an audio visual piece. And now suddenly teams that aren't even really collaborating now have to figure out a split together. And there could be 12 people who, who've contributed to that thing. It got intense. It got chaotic. People, you know, teams have different cultures and now you're trying to blend these cultures to figure out something as, you know, fragile and vulnerable as a conversation around, around value and, and art and money. Like, so it got messy. Yeah. Um, and through that, we took the learnings and integrated a new path where we are all creating one split. This entire NFT project will be one split and we are dynamically um, splitting that wow. over time via these uh, different mechanics to create this thing that we're calling chaos value flow. So we have this whole chaos value flow system that runs the length of camp that's broken up into um, four cycles that map to the acts I told you about. So two week cycles in which we are self-selecting um, certain amounts of value saying, this is what I did. This is how much I deserve. And we're also giving via coordinate. And this all kind of gets aggregated together for people to, to get a share in that eventual one big split. Got it. Got it. I, I, I'm so excited for this to come together. Personally, I'm going to be minting this or at least <laughs> trying to mint it because yeah. there hasn't been a project like this in crypto uh, just yet. You've never seen like so many people come together, at least under this medium of music, right? And actually put their heads together and, and push something out. At least I haven't seen anything. Have you seen anything like that? No, yeah. um, I don't think so. Yeah, so that's why part of the reason why I also wanted to have you on is because it is a unique project in itself, but also to that, you bring a lot of information and like opinions, I guess, on the current state of where music meets Web3, mm. right? And I've had, uh, I think I've done, this is going to be the third, episode 34, the last episode of season wow. four. Nice. And uh, we've had everyone from Blau on, the Mint Songs guys on, the Catalog guys. We've had Verte, Cooper. Uh, we've had Daniel Allen Grady. The list goes on and on and on. Oh, different wow. people, oh. yeah, different people innovating in the space. And yeah. one thing that I want to get your take on, Matthew, is your thought, your thoughts around the two, I guess, types of music NFTs, patronage-based mm -hmm. NFTs and ownership-based NFTs. Mm -hmm. And correct me if I'm, if I'm missing a, another type, but that seems to be the two m major types that are kind of prevailing the ecosystem right now that you're seeing a lot of artists kind of like experiment with. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts between patronage-based NFTs and ownership-based NFTs? I remember you also tweeting if ownership-based ownership NFTs are like a meme to an extent, right? So oh. I want to I get your take on that for a minute. So patronage NFTs versus ownership NFTs, I guess to, to, to just like define those, I guess you mean ownership NFTs being attached to some nominal ownership. Exactly. So like what, like, uh, I guess like streaming royalties coming back right, to the right. NFT. So you sell uh, like actual IP, 
right? Or, or at least fractionalized IP and patronage based NFTs is yeah. merely collecting to collect a collectible, right? Mm. Like an audio NFT, a music NFT for mm. that matter, right? Yeah. Um, am I, am well, I defining those correctly? You think, do you think there's a better definition? Well, I guess my, my initial thought uh, is like my initial reaction when you say that okay. is like, I would say, I don't see a difference in let's say maybe the way you define patronage NFTs, I would call those NFTs ownership NFTs too. Um, I don't necessarily see those as separate. Like so, on the ownership NFT side, or like the you know exposed to some level of IP or what have you, it's you know we're 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 starting to face this like from a real standpoint now with with chaos because we are exploring like what would it look like to actually bridge some, if not all, of this music over. To web two with like a headless artist that was born in web three it could be pretty interesting we're calling it operation trojan horse because we're gonna like create this artist that's all web twoified <laughs> and shit but really if you look underneath it's like this headless artist of seven people um so we're exploring that and like yeah how do you split ip in this world that we're really kind of playing in a very untraditional way a lot of interesting questions but i guess fundamentally where i go is i think at a base level like the exposure to intellectual property or royalties from like a web two side gets a lot less interesting to me um, as an artist who's sort of ex like been exposed to those with my own music. Like, you know, I know if, you, if a song blows up, like you can make a lot of money off that stuff, but like, you know, I think there's a lot more value to be created here for a lot of a longer tale of artists in a lot more interesting ways. But even when you get to the fan side of things, like as a fan, like I don't really even need or want to own my like favorite artists, like a piece of their pie. Um, I think like I can own something that's actually soaked in more lore, if you will. Like it's, um, you know, act the actual art or it has something to do with, you know, it's like this product of what they created, be it this like what you might call what you refer to as a patronage NFT. To me, I'm still like exposing myself to the investment side. Where it's like, I'm still if I'm early and they're they blow up like this, the value should carry over of this thing. I think like this goes to a grander conversation uh, to me around what ownership means. I think the idea of you know this 100% pie for master rights, for intellectual property, for a company's value, for all these things, and then we're splitting that up in this ownership NFT token share whatever. That's a story. It's the you know fundamental story that our current capitalism kind of world lives on. Um, but it's a story no less. It is lore, right? We're saying, okay, these 100 things represent 100% of that value. So if I have one of them, I own 1% of that value, even though I can't exchange, I can't say here's 1% and like give it to me or whatever in a lot of those cases. To me, there's better lore with what we're getting with Web3. So to me, I'm more interested in owning something that is sort of has that create creative sort of like resonance baked into it. And that's the sort of fun, like primary lore of it versus it being the sort of economic lore. I think fans are more ex want to be exposed to the cultural side of things rather than the economic side of things. And that like paradoxically makes the cultural thing the economic thing. I kind of jumped around all there, but so, maybe so I got there. <laughs> so do you think the cultural investor is different than the economic investor, just based off, off your explanation and using the words, like the keywords that you're kind of bringing up? 
Yeah. I think they're really crashing into each other in, okay. a, in a way that I haven't seen before. Um, the example, the example, the example I would bring up <laughs> is like, I participate a little bit in noise now. Okay. Um, I'm also like, like not, I've never really been an investor or anything like that before this world. And now, which I'm, is, and, which I'm, is important to note as well. Right. Because I guess that yeah. would make you so much different than I guess the economic investor for the most part. Okay. Right. And in so many ways I've like converged with investors, call them collectors now, um, you know, who are coming in from, for maybe economic incentives, cultural incentives, maybe both, but we're converging in this space in a way that we didn't converge before at all. Right. Um, so I think, I think they are merging in a lot of ways. And I think like the artifacts of value, like will be merging too. And I, I, I think like, like, skewmorphism is a very powerful tool, right? Like it allows us to understand things um, in, in a new, in a new world. And this is very much a new world. I personally am like more interested in that, like the skewmorphic nature of sort of owning something that is more akin to a CD than to own something that is more akin to a contract that says I own point whatever of this thing. That's like, in our world right now, no artists are trying to own the latter thing, really, right? Um, but like in a previous world, a lot of people were interested in owning CDs and they did hold this like cultural weight to have your CD package go like that or your Pokemon card package or whatever these things. And now we're actually in a world where those things exist and they're so much more liquid. Um, so like that, yeah, that cultural lore and the economic lore are really merging. Um, and I think the things to adopt on the front facing UI of it, if you will, is the cultural stuff. So to me, that's like CD-ROMs is like fun and interesting and kind of like nostalgic. Uh, yeah. It's very, it comes down to preferences in my opinion. I've had so many different takes on this season as to how people think about the different types, uh, yeah. whether one type is defined one way or the other way. Yeah. Um, I think it really comes down to the individual, of course. Um, and I think it's important to note, like you said, you you weren't like the investor type prior. You're more of like the cultural type prior. But now you're seeing both worlds converge and you can't be one without the other from what it seems. Right. Right. Um, so I appreciate the hot take, you know, and, and it's interesting to kind of when I put out the, the, the Blau episode, that was the first time I got like criticism online, which is good. Oh, wow. yeah. yeah. But yeah. like. But like I've gotten criticism before, but to that extent, right? On mm -hmm. people kind of uh, understanding and thinking about what is uh, like an IP royalty-based uh, music NFT versus yeah. just a collectible uh, NFT that sits in your wallet, right? Yeah. Um, and what that means, what the difference is, what is ownership really in, 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 as a, what is ownership in general in crypto? Mm -hmm. What does that mean? That's a gray area within itself, right? Yeah. Because the real world doesn't really translate yet to the digital world. To an extent, or I guess the, the the crypto world, for the most part, there's a lot of gray areas. So yeah. I know we're we're, we're wrapping up <clears throat> on time over here. You know, I want to ask you, like, what can we look forward to in the next couple months? Like, what should mm -hmm. we expect um, from you individually as an artist? Because I own your golden uh, your golden oh, yeah. egg from Sound.xyz, yeah. uh, and also from Sound so as a as a whole. Uh, not from Sound, excuse me, from Sound Camp <laughs> and Chaos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Totally. Um, 
so well yeah as an artist my girlfriend's decided to make a coffee right now um <laughs> as as an as an artist yeah i mean like chaos the project has sort of eaten my life whole song camp where generally is eating my life whole but i sort of um i'm trying to stay tethered to my my own like personal creative endeavors and uh yeah i don't know my plan kind of sprinkled throughout maybe the year but i do have this sort of like vision to release a body of work in december i'm sort of giving myself like the whole year to like reach that goal and kind of give small bandwidth to it um in, on a consistent basis as we go and embark on all these crazy stuff we're doing in song camp so yeah hoping to have something interesting um on the music side and on the mechanic side for a personal project in december um but but yeah kind of all the way from now until then it's kind of all song camp and and right now is chaos um for for chaos we're we're planning yeah we're actually in our third act right now so we're on week six of of eight of this of this project um we're creating there's maybe going to be a few hidden songs but there's really 45 songs being created um through this the first six weeks and uh yeah after those first four weeks 30 of the songs have been delivered in their mastered form um incredible music like you're like you spoke about curation is a superpower it is and we have the results to show it we're uh we just heard the demos for uh this last kind of batch and then in a week from now, they'll be delivered uh, in their final mix form. So we'll have 45 songs um, at the end of next week, which is crazy. And we're going to be releasing a really interesting NFT project in May. Um, and kind of going to your last question in an interesting way, um, one of the ways we're playing with NFTs uh, for that drop is um, uh, we're doing a few interesting mechanics. One is that we're selling packs. So you're actually going to be able to collect a pack of four music NFTs and you can choose to open that pack or not, kind of going into that collectible cards model. Sick, really cool. Okay. I'm, I'm hoping some packs stay closed <laughs> for years. I'm definitely going to mint a pack and never open it. Um, the songs are randomly, so of these songs, you'll have like sort of PFP generative style, uh, a, a visual art in the sense that every single visual piece will be unique um, throughout the collection, but the music will be, you know, Additioned pieces of these of these 45 50 songs um but but yeah and, and they're randomly chosen the visual layers and and what audio you're getting um at the time of opening the pack not at the time of minting so mm. that's kind of cool like some things just never get opened if if these packs stay in mint condition um so that's one way we're playing with with things the other way and this kind of goes to your to your question earlier about sort of ip stuff or whatever i mean it's not really ip but um, how we're actually dealing with uh, the value flow, uh, what it results right. in for the campers, we're actually creating a thousand, what we're calling supercharged NFTs. So in this project of music NFTs that are coming out that people will be able to collect, there are a thousand being held back that are only distributed to campers based on the amount of this project that they are going to um, own at the end of the eight weeks. And those actually are supercharged with liquid split technology. This is a new thing that we are TM. creating in camp TM <laughs> the OX splits team. And what it actually does, it gets big brain for our like final minute here, but what it actually does is the um, value of this project will flow to a split, uh, an OX split protocol. A contract, split. right? Yeah. Okay. And that contract will be determined by those thousand NFTs and what wallets they sit on. So essentially what we're what we're doing is we're creating kind of like liquid master rights on a web three level, if you will. Huh. Let's say I own 2% of this project. 
I'll therefore own um, each each NFT is a, there's a thousand. Each one's worth 0.1 percent. So I'll essentially have 20 NFTs, which equal the two percent of the split. I can then transfer you 10 of these NFTs, and now your address will get one percent of the split. So my master rights are liquid. Um, so that's kind of like a really Sick. exciting part of the project. That we're playing. Really cool. Really, so that's really what cool. what to look forward to in May, and after that, we'll see, man. We'll see. We'll, we'll need a little break. It's good. <laughs> it's good. It's good to have you on. Thank you for making the time. Uh, we're gonna have to do another one of these sometime soon when the project is out. We got to do a recap at some point. So uh, before I let you go, Matthew, where can we find you? Where can we find Song Camp, Chaos, mm. yourself, your music? Just shill it away in the TLDR. Go for it. So chaos.build is the okay. website to go to for chaos. Um, and then I guess I'd point, yeah, people to Twitter, Matthew cool. Chain on Twitter, songcamp underscore on Twitter. Um, and then we're up in the Discord every Monday, songcamp harpy calls. Sick. That's our bread and butter. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll have you again soon, man. Thanks for having me. This was fun. What's up, guys? If you've gotten this far, then I owe you a listener badge NFT. Go to adamlevy.io forward slash poop, that's P-O-A-P, and click the respective season. Fill out your info and I'll distribute the free to mint NFT at the end of the season. Also, please make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast. You won't believe it, but it helps me out a ton. And finally, hit me up on Twitter, at LevyChain. I want to hear what you're building, the latest crowdfund you're trying to complete, or if you just simply want to chat. If you couldn't tell already, I love talking about where crypto meets the creator economy, and it's no different if it's coming from you directly. Thank you so much for your support. It means the world. And we'll catch you on the next episode.